I think one of the trends you're going to see next year, um, as you hear more about CDPs, I've heard the same phrase from about five companies lately, and they've said, I don't want to pay twice for my data. And I think that's a really interesting thing because you pay for your data in a CDP, you pay for your data as it's being collected in your analytics. And I think you're going to see a lot of movement next year around how do you figure out a way that you pay once for your data, but then you can use it and extend it in other places. And I think that's going to be an emerging trend. Welcome to the Technical Marketing Handbook, a podcast where we talk about words and topics and themes related to technical marketing. Today we are going to be talking about product analytics and we have a great guest, so enjoy the show. Welcome to the Technical Marketing Handbook. I'm your host, Simo Ahava, the co-founder of Simmer. Digital marketing among many other industries, is a field where people just love to label things. And people love to debate and write about these labels, often even more than the subject matter itself. In analytics, this is a stark reality, as practitioners need to understand the differences between online analytics and digital analytics, or data lakes and data warehouses, or data scientists and data analysts, or conversion rate optimization and conversion optimization. It's not easy. I've been working in this field for over half of my life and I still find it difficult to explain how search engine optimization and search experience optimization differ or what the distinction between product and marketing analytics is. In this episode, we're gonna focus on this last dichotomy. Marketing analytics is generally considered to cover the art of the acquisition. It seeks to answer the following questions. Which campaign brought the user to the site or the app, either directly, also known as last touch, or across multiple visits? How efficient marketing campaigns have been in converting visitors to customers, and how well the site or the service retains its users, but really only to the point where success can still be attributed back to the marketing campaigns with reasonable reliability. Product analytics, on the other hand, is generally focused on telemetry collected from the product itself. At its core, it's interested in things like feature usage, error and exception rates, and the real-time view to how users are interacting with parts of the product itself. But it actually goes much deeper than that. Because product analytics typically covers the lifetime actions of users who are using the product, existing customers in other words, figuring out things like how to track the user's identity is often easier to do than with marketing analytics platforms that have no a priori information about the visitor. When you look at the recent trends in the analytics world, both Google and Adobe are moving towards the event-based data model. Google, in particular, has really put its analytics eggs into the Firebase basket and taken this technology that they acquired in 2014 and turned it into Google Analytics 4, Google's answer to the product analytics race. However, even though the big players like Google and Adobe can make an entire industry shift its course overnight, the product analytics field has already had well-established vendors for a long time. 
companies like Mixpanel and Heap have dominated the market, and smaller but perhaps more flexible ventures like my personal favorite, Snowplow Analytics, have brought their unique approach to the mix. And then there's Amplitude. Amplitude has taken the users and events model and turned it into an art form. They boast some of the most elegant features around user identity stitching, real-time reporting, cross-device measurement, and all-in-one features you wouldn't necessarily expect from a product analytics suite. Recently, they've also refocused their campaigns to highlight the differences between product analytics and more traditional marketing analytics tools. To help myself and the audience of this podcast better understand the differences and similarities between these different analytics genres, I'm really, really excited to introduce my guest for this show, Adam Greco. Adam's one of those people who really don't shy away from challenges. He was part of the core team of Omniture before they were acquired by Adobe. He pioneered a new way of building analytics implementations with the Apollo project while working at Search Discovery, and now he's been hired at Amplitude, where he helps the product analytics company become more marketing analytics-minded. I can't think of a better person than Adam to help me explore what the analytics industry is buzzing about these days. Adam was kind enough to share his thoughts on Amplitude, on product analytics, on identity resolution, and on the future, both near and far, of our very dear and very complicated industry. So stick around as we return to the interview right after these words from our sponsor. Are you a marketing or a data professional looking to skill up? Take a look at the online courses Simmer has to offer at teamsimmer.com. The courses are completely self-paced and your enrollment will grant you lifetime access to the material, including any updates. Go to teamsimmer.com and use the coupon code HANDBOOK to get 10% off your course purchase. That's teamsimmer.com. Adam Greco from Amplitude. Could you please explain what product analytics is and how it differs from other varieties of online analytics? Yes. Well, first of all, Simo, thanks so much for having me on. Uh, it's been great kind of getting to know you over the years, even though I don't think we've actually ever met in person. Um, but yeah, so product analytics, uh, it's kind of interesting that I'm the one answering that question. As many of your listeners know, I've spent 20 years in the marketing analytics so, world, so I'm not sure if I'm qualified to answer that question, but I do work for Amplitude now, which is a product analytics company, so I guess I'm going to have to get used to that. Um, so what I've learned in my brief time, kind of getting into the product product analytics world is that there are a lot of similarities between marketing analytics and product analytics, but it's really the philosophy that has been taken. Um, they both have cohorts, segments, those kinds of things. They both run reports with charts and graphs. But I think what I've found is that product analytics is really made for product folks, obviously, and they have different needs than marketers. They're not really just focused on how did someone get to the website? Like, what is our acquisition? They're more hardcore developers who want to be able to go in, look at a particular feature, tag some data, pull their own reports, pull their own data, do feature flagging, do experimentation. 
And, you know, in the marketing analytics world, it's pretty common for there to be like a central group that is analyzing all the data. But like in the product analytics world, like that just doesn't fly as you're a developer yourself. Like, you know that you want to get in and and get your own data. Um, so that's just a huge difference that I've seen, which means that the interface that you build for product analytics has to be easy enough that hundreds of people can use it, not just a couple people on a central team. The other thing I've found that's kind of interesting is I grew up in a cookie world, but in the product analytics world, we really focus more on users and we can actually get down to a particular user and you could see the entire event stream for a user. And I found that to be kind of interesting because that means you can then ship users in and out of your analytics stack to other places like data warehouse and other vendors. And that's been kind of really interesting um, from coming from a background where I never actually Adobe Analytics knew who a user was. They were a marketing cloud ID for me. And then I think lastly, I'd say that we put such more focus on customer acquisition, churn, and retention because a lot of the customers that use product analytics like Peloton, Twitter, these are organizations that really focus a lot on apps, especially mobile apps. And they want to make sure that they're getting people to come back over time and uh, what features are getting them to come back and using machine learning to figure out why they may or may not be coming back. So like I said, a lot of similarities, but it's really just kind of the mindset of like, who are you building your analytics product for, the marketer or the product team? Thanks for that walkthrough. Um, I w it got me thinking about Marketing analytics, um, you said it's it's about acquisition, which is absolutely, the, I, I feel the same way. And it's really defined by uh, the quality of your integration. So so how well you are able to discern where the user came from. Did they come from an ad, ad click or an organic search query or something like that or a referral? Whereas product analytics is more kind of inward to the product itself. It happens within the scope of the product itself. And, and like you said, churn is very important, which got me thinking. So Amplitude, the company you work for now, is, is doing a lot of marketing um, right now to make the gap smaller between marketing and product analytics try to try to show people there are there are these different worlds but do you feel like amplitude as a as a product analytics tool is also competing against home more homegrown analytics setups like telemetry that people build into their apps like collecting just basic um data about the apps themselves into their own data warehouse. It seems like that's something a lot of products are doing right now, rather than using a platform or a tool for that. Do you find that when you are um, talking about Amplitude to clients that they already have something for their product, but they need a vendor for yep. marketing analytics? Yeah. So, and I think there's a couple things you have in there that I'm sure we'll dig into a little bit in this talk. But um, so we kind of look at it as there's a world of people who are using marketing analytics vendors like Adobe, Google Analytics, they're doing acquisition. And as you know, those vendors have realized lately that their model might not be totally great because you really want to do more than just acquisition. You want to see what they're doing when they come there and what they're doing within your, your app. And when I say app, I almost mean like website nowadays because websites are so complex. They're almost like really large apps. And I think that the marketing vendors, no disparagement to them because they're awesome. Um, you know, Adobe, Google are great. But like, I just don't think that they were set up to do advanced product tracking. And so um, to your second point, I think 
our biggest competitors on one side are the Adobe and Google Analytics of the world. But then on the other side, there are the homegrown systems. And um, But a lot of companies have found that they don't want to be in the analytics business. Now, Amazon, for example, they're never going to use a third-party tool. Um, but Twitter uses Amplitude, and they're one of our largest customers. Now, there's definitely been conversations I've heard of where Twitter has said, we're spending a lot of money on Amplitude, like maybe we should do this in-house. But there's an opportunity cost for all of these organizations. And I kind of, it's funny, I was telling someone, I, I almost view Amplitude in a weird way as like a love child between Snowplow and Adobe Analytics. <laughs> it's kind of like, it, it's got the, some of the good parts of an off-the-shelf Adobe Analytics, but it's also um, a little bit almost like you could build your own schema and pipeline like you can in Snowplow. So um, I think we're trying to fit right in the middle there where we have enough value that someone would say, we don't want to build this on our own internally, but also not be so complex and so expensive that someone say, I don't want to drop a couple of million dollars a year on something like an Adobe stack. The It's great that you mentioned the schema because that's also something that for someone working at Amplitude, I think that you were very gleeful when Google pushed for their latest iteration of analytics, which is the GA4 based on Firebase, uh, their earlier acquisition. And and they kind of moved towards a product analytics schema with their event-based model. They 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 gave up the focus on pre-aggregations uh, or they didn't give it up, but they, they moved it away from the nexus of the product. Um, do you feel like uh, Amplitude's decisions are now being... Um, validated because the big players are moving towards the same model as well. And and why do you think the event-based model is right now getting this kind of resurgence of attention? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. And it's one that I don't think people in our industry think about enough. Um, obviously, as you mentioned, Google with Firebase and GA4 is moving to the event model. Um, Adobe as well with their customer journey analytics and their Adobe experience platform have all are moving there as well. And I think both vendors, which, you know, they have probably 95% of the market share um, in the digital analytics space, like they've basically conceded that the model they've been using for the last 10, 20 years, like isn't going to really serve them going forward. Um, I don't think they're going to ever give credit to companies like Amplitude who've been doing this from day one, but that's okay. Um, you know, we know that we have an awareness problem that not many people know about Amplitude, but that's partially why I came here. But I do think that, um, and this is something I learned as an advisor to Snowplow, there is no replacement for really good, clean, autonomous data. And getting down to that atomic level where no one has monkeyed with the data um, is definitely harder. But I think there are some real advantages. And I think if you're thinking about taking your analytics data and shipping it out to a warehouse or shipping it out to data scientists, they want clean data. And for better, for worse, Adobe and Google and vendors like that, they do some amazing things when they aggregate data and when they process and pre-process data. They do make people's lives easier because not everyone knows how to build their own schema, process their own data. But in many cases, they actually make decisions for you on your behalf that you can't undo. And that's frustrated some companies who I've spoken to. And when I think about like the model, if I was like a regular scientist, not a data scientist, I kind of use the analogy of like, if I took a sample of someone, like a blood sample, I don't want any doctor 
messing around with it before it gets to the lab. Like I just want the pure sample and then I want to do my tests on it. But I think in many cases, a lot of analytics vendors are kind of massaging and putting their own opinion on data before it gets to other sources, which can you know lead to problems. This gets to kind of methodological philosophy as well, I'm because I'm really curious that makes a lot of sense, and I, I agree with everything you said. I'm I've been very, very irritated about prescriptive analytics tools that that tell me how I should analyze, it, and they were very useful when we got started in the business, of course, because we needed a framework to, you know, get our feet wet. But once we become familiar with the source data, and once we understand how important that clean, raw data is, um, then it becomes a fr- point of frustration to have the vendor really spell out things for you. But how do you contain yourself in amplitude so that you don't turn into that? Like how how do you make those decisions when you're building the UI, when you're building the schemas, when you're building the aggregations? How do you decide how much handholding you're going to do, how much kind of pre-aggregation you're going to do, how many pre-built reports you're going to do? Because all of that will cover will kind of color the customer's approach to data, regardless of how um, you know how how in detail you do it. Yeah, I mean, I think we look at it as, you know, there are applications and there are users who have questions, and we're trying to help our customers figure out what are the events and properties that they need to know. And I think we sometimes make it more complicated than that. Um, You know, we have some best practices based on industry. These are the events and attributes that you should have. And I think we want to basically kind of take a little bit of a hands-off approach. I mean, we have some clients that have 30 events and they're totally happy. We have some clients that have over a thousand events and that's the way they want to do it. Um, I tend to feel like sometimes we overload ourselves with data, and I'm I have a little bit of a preference for I'd rather have a smaller implementation than you know a larger one. But one of the things that I don't know if you're familiar with, um, there was a company by the name of Iteratively. I think they actually were even European based. Um, that early on Amplitude acquired, and all they did was governance around analytics ampl- an- analytics implementations. And they basically are almost like a GitHub for an analytics implementation. And they make it really easy for someone to say, I have a new data that I want to add to the implementation, but also put some controls to make sure that it's people aren't going rogue and it can be approved and then added. And we're doing a lot with that as it's been folded into Amplitude. And we want to basically make it so that implementing and governing your implementation is as easy as possible. And I don't think some of the other vendors have put as much love and attention in governance over the years. Um, I certainly have seen, even at Adobe customers, um, you go to one company and they might have five different websites and they have five different Adobe Analytics implementations. And I made actually decent money going into companies and just helping them to just streamline their, their own implementations, more or less thinking, not even thinking about, you know, are all Adobe customers in the financial services using the same implementation? But I think there is some kind of cool parts around standardization that we're going to be looking at with Amplitude that I've shared with the team uh, based on some of the pain that I've experienced in the Adobe world. So I'm not sure if that 100% answers your question, but I do think that there's um, a lot of room for governance. And I think you have to have kind of like a hybrid approach in many cases. No, I think that's a, that makes a lot of sense. You you have your obligation as a vendor to your do your best job in due diligence of the data and, and provide 
truths in a way, but then you want to give the right tools to the organization as well so that they can kind of manipulate that data to whatever end they need. Um, some of the things you said rang a bell. Uh, one of the things you spearheaded at, before you left was at the Apollo project. And, and maybe you could just go into that in a couple of just just say it, describe it how it works and have you taken like leaves out of Apollo's book when you came to Amplitude because I think there's a lot of things around governance and and maintenance that Apollo really brought to the mix that um, sounded very familiar in what you were describing at what you're doing at Amplitude now. Yeah, it's it's funny. Um, it, there's that you know want to make sure you're not plagiarizing, and I was actually really glad that Amplitude had acquired a similar technology before I joined, so I couldn't be told that I was actually bringing things over. But uh, but I think great minds kind of think alike. Uh, but yeah, so Apollo is something that I did when I was I was at Search Discovery, um, and I am still an advisor for them. Um, as you know, Search Discovery is a is a really tight vendor with Adobe and Google. Um, they built the tag management system, uh, which is now which has now evolved into Adobe Launch that Adobe acquired from them. And one of the things that I've always been frustrated with in my consultant career was just how few companies were actually driving their analytics implementations by business questions. They would start with, I'm going to collect all this data, and then I'll figure out what questions I want to answer. And I used to go into my clients and say, well, let's start with the questions you want to answer, and then we'll figure out what data you need. And they're like, wow, that's a novel idea. Maybe we should do that. And so what Apollo was, was uh, an an implementation management system that basically started with the business questions and then said, why should every person have to figure out what is the correct way to implement this in Adobe or Google when we have experts who've done this over and over? Why not just select the question and have the data layer and all of the data points that you need automatically be told to you, automatically build your data layer, and automatically build out your Adobe Launch or Google Tag Manager implementation for right. you. And that way you could take a project that could take six months and do it in two weeks. And it was a it's a pretty it's a pretty large undertaking because you're talking about 20 years worth of people doing it one way and getting people to try to think about doing it another way. But it is completely working for Adobe Launch right now. And I just saw it working for Google Tag Manager oh, nice. as well. Um, one day they're going to make it so you could actually do both. You could have the same implementation if you want to have Adobe and Google, and you could use the same business questions and same data layer. Uh, it's definitely challenging, um, and I had a really fun time working on that. And I would still be doing that today if I wasn't so convinced that the future is moving more towards the direction that I liked where Amplitude was going. Um, and it was one of those opportunities that was really hard for me to pass up. Um, going back to to the, the the topic of this podcast, because these things tend to sidetrack quite a bit, which is okay, of course. But um, one of the things you mentioned was that um, the web analytics model is is concerned about marketing and acquisition analytics. Um, but could your could amplitude could any product analytics tool be configured for uh, marketing and acquisition as well? Or or are would you see the future being multiple stacks or would you rather see that you know a single analytics vendor could do everything so what is, is this something that amplitude already does or do you see, even see it part of the product analytics model yeah good question so um traditionally 
there has been kind of this model of you use one vendor for acquisition and you use another vendor for product. Right. Uh, very common, uh, Walmart, I'll use that as an example. They use Adobe Analytics on the desktop site and they use Amplitude on their mobile app. Um, I don't think that can persist. I think that is just not sustainable. And um, Amplitude, products like Amplitude can certainly track acquisition channels, campaign codes. I will admit, as of today, they don't do all of the things that you could do in Adobe and Google Analytics. They don't have multiple attribution models. They don't have some of the bells and whistles there on the acquisition side. But I think that as the Adobe's and Google's try to figure out how they can better track product applications, we are going to be going in the other direction of saying, how can we fill our gaps in marketing analytics? And that was one of the reasons why I joined here, because I happen to have deep knowledge of what is missing in the product analytics world, in the marketing world. And I am our marketing evangelist. Uh, and my job is to help them understand what features they're missing and show customers how they can use our product for both marketing and product. And I do honestly believe this in my soul, that it is really important for marketing and product to get along and to collaborate because otherwise you end up with silos. And as you know, in today's world, the customer experience is really important. Your customer doesn't care about the org chart of your company. They don't care that marketing and, and product are in different departments and don't talk to each other and sometimes don't even like each other. They just want to know that when they log into a website and they click and click and click, and then they go into a mobile app, they expect to pick up right where they left off. They want the same experience. And that is honestly never going to happen if we don't get marketers and product folks to communicate, share data, collaborate. So I think that it's kind of a race right now to see, are the marketing analytics vendors going to shore up their deficiencies in the product world? Or are the product analytics vendors going to you know, kind of get more marketing functionality. Um, and that's going to be an interesting thing. And I think it's better for the industry. Um, and I don't think, but your second point, I don't think that one vendor should do everything. I know that Salesforce and Adobe, like they have their marketing clouds and they basically want to do everything for everyone. But I think that the future really is more about interoperability where you can, you know, I want to have one tool that I use for messaging and another tool that I use for email and another tool I use for analytics. And so we view a world where we will coexist with an Adobe and Google analytics, but we also want to give people the opportunity. If you do want to use one vendor, there's nothing stopping you. We've recently added experimentation, recommendations to our product. We're going to be adding a lot more as we now have a little bit of money being a publicly traded company. So, uh, but yeah, but I do think it's interesting, um, you know, lots of different philosophies, but I don't think it's always one size fits all, but I think there are a lot of synergies and I think a lot of these vendors can do both. And in your experience, which side has the leg up? So the product analytics vendor trying to become more sensitive to marketing analytics or the other way around? Which one has the easier task ahead of you? Which one is the more difficult problem to solve, the product analytics part or the marketing analytics part? Well, I'm a tad biased. I will say, though, um, I have seen both. I know both products now really well. Um, I think that that the product analytics vendors are closer to doing the marketing use cases than the marketing vendors are for the product use cases. Um, but I think the advantage that the, the marketing vendors have is really just brand recognition. 
is that there's a lot of organizations, especially in the enterprise space, who aren't familiar or comfortable with a, a company like Amplitude because they don't know a lot about them. And in the old days, they used to say no one ever got fired for uh, hiring IBM. Uh, that's how old I am. Uh, but nowadays, it's kind of like no one ever got fired for bringing in Adobe or Google, I think would be the new version of that. And I think it's risky to go with a vendor that people aren't comfortable with. But um, I think if people actually take a step back and look at what do I need now? And I also don't want to make this so much about vendor versus vendor. I think the thing I would push back on your question on a teeny bit is I actually would come back to you and say, what is more important five years from now, the website or the mobile app? And I think everyone I've talked to, nine out of 10 people have told me in their business is the mobile app. And if you say that the mobile app is more important, and I ask you, well, which vendor do you think is the best to track mobile apps? Would you say that it's Google Analytics? Would you say that it's Adobe Analytics? Um, you probably you know, can't answer that. But if I got a couple of beers in you, you know, what would you really say there? And um, I'm actually, uh, I actually use this analogy a lot with people. Um, are you familiar with the story of the frog in the boiling pot of water? Have you heard this fable? Uh, for those of you who haven't heard, you know, there's this fable that says if you throw a frog in a pot of boiling water, it'll, it'll jump right out. But if you put it in cold water and slowly turn it up, it will eventually die in there. Now, it's actually not true. I looked it up on Wikipedia. But <laughs> no. the analogy here is that I think a lot of companies have been using Adobe and Google Analytics for 10 years. But the world has changed in those 10 years, and these digital applications have become much more complex, and they've become much more like apps. And I think that analytics as a function, five years from now, might be in the product group, not in the marketing group. And if that's the world, you don't want to be that frog who's slowly being cooked to death. Um, if you woke up today and said, what would be the vendor I would use if I was starting today? I don't think many people would choose a marketing analytics vendor for their products. But that's, again, I'm a little biased, but that's kind of the way I view the world. It's so great to have you here because this is um, this is exactly the kind of discussions I want to have with someone who's seen, uh, you've, you've not only seen like the, the big world of marketing vendors and now the smaller world of, of product analytics vendors, but you've also seen marketing analytics and product analytics, and obviously a lot more, but the, the kind of dichotomies between these are really fascinating and one of the things i've been wondering about is that um you know the cloud infra is becoming cheaper and cheaper and it's just more and more powerful all the time there are tools like looker and data studio and tableau and and people are building server-side proxies so in a way the people who use the data um and there's data lakes and data data swamps and what have you so the people who use the data might actually just be looking at uh, dashboards and query interfaces that have gone through so many different steps of the pipeline so far removed from the actual vendor who collected the data that I'm kind of beginning to wonder in organizations doesn't really matter what the front end stack is nowadays like does it matter if it's Google or Amplitude or Adobe collecting the data uh, or could it be just be mix of them and then you kind of patch things together in the pipeline so I think that was what I was going with the will there ever be like a one single vendor doing it? And I agree with you. I don't think so because it doesn't have to be like that. You can you can build those pipelines and bring everything together. What do you think? Yeah, exactly. And I think one of the things that's interesting, and this was a real mind shift for me when I joined Amplitude, is a lot of people send data into Amplitude through segment right. or mparticle. Um, you just actually built us a Google Tag Manager template so that you can actually use your all the data layer you have in Google Tag Manager and send that data in. And there's like 10 or 15 ways you can get data into Amplitude. But 
if you think about the Adobe and Google world, like would they ever let you send data to Adobe Analytics that didn't come through the Adobe Analytics data collection? Like, no. And I think, you know, in many cases, we are all things to all people, but in some cases, we're just the front end. We just announced a partnership with Snowflake. And in many cases, we are just the reporting front end on Snowflake. And so I think we're trying to let anyone tell us how they want to use us. And I think it also gets into this larger CDP conversation that we probably don't have time for today. But I do think that people are looking for flexibility. And, um, and like I said, we want to be something that people can use for as much of the stack as they want. But you know, we even have a model in which someone can use Adobe Analytics and they can send their Adobe Analytics data into Amplitude. And then certain people would do reporting in Adobe Analytics and other people would do reporting in Amplitude. And we have this in many cases because a lot of times, even though I am a huge fan of like analysis workspace, I think it's amazing. Um, I've done trainings for corporations on analysis workspace and after 30 minutes, their eyes glaze over because if you don't use it every day, they, a casual user is almost intimidated by how powerful it is. And in many cases, our reporting is I guess not as advanced, but it's like easy enough that almost anyone can use it. So we do have companies that are using both of us side by side. And I think that's the future um, of just flexibility and people looking for that flexibility. That sounds like a, like a product vision nightmare to have. Like it sounds wonderful to have such a flexible tool, but it sounds like there's so many hats on with uh, the tool has so many different hats on that it's becoming kind of difficult to choose the focus. So if Amplitude can both be a, um, and this rings a bell. I mean, Google Google Analytics, for example, does have somewhat of a similar approach, even though everything does go through the processing. So you can use BigQuery, you can pipe it into your pipelines, but it, it goes through GA's processing. It's it's impossible to go to kind of circumvent that. So, and but this sounds very much, again, very snowplowy in a way that you have these strictly modular parts of the pipeline, and it makes a lot of sense. But if your if your tool can kind of both collect the data and process the data regardless of where it was collected from, and also report the data regardless of where it was processed in, it just seems to me like it's a very difficult job figuring out which, which parts to focus at any given time. But I think Amplitude does have a very specific focus. Yeah, well, and that's why we're hiring aggressively right now, because <laughs> right. we do have a lot of things we're trying to do. Um, I think one of the trends you're going to see next year, um, as you hear more about CDPs, I've heard the same phrase from about five companies lately, and they've said, I don't want to pay twice for my data. And I think that's a really interesting thing because you pay for your data in a CDP, you pay for your data as it's being collected in your analytics. And I think you're going to see a lot of movement next year around how do you figure out a way that you pay once for your data, but then you can use it and extend right. it in other places. And I think that's going to be an emerging trend. Um, one of the topics I want to cover before we before we wrap up is, is identity. And I, I think that you, well, you mentioned that in your intro, but I think that identity is something that Amplitude is very focused on, like, like managing identity, making sure that cross-device um, analytics works and, and cross-platform even. Um, what I think all analytics tools have tried to solve identity in one way or another. And, and some tools use cookies, some use, some use device IDs, some use uh, authenticated user IDs, some use third-party cookies um, to figure out who the person is. So... What are the kind of competing approaches and what do you, what do you think, which, which ones are getting it right and which ones are getting it wrong? And you don't have to talk about vendors specifically, but more about the approaches themselves. 
Yeah, I mean, I think obviously this is just a tough area. Um, obviously, you want to adhere to all of the consent and, and privacy laws and so on. So that's a given. But once you get beyond that and you have people who are willing to to authenticate, um, what I see is since we're moving away from kind of this third party world, the way that um, at least we do it is we say, you know what, if you're in a browser, we're going to drop a cookie like anyone else. If you're in a mobile app, we're going to use your device ID. But what we are going to do is we assume that most companies are going to move towards a model where there is some sort of authentication and first party um, self-identification. Once that happens, the question is, how good is your analytics vendor at stitching together all of the different anonymous behavior into a known user? And we have this crazy video that one of our founders made that you could find on YouTube. I could give it to you for show notes, uh, where he draws on a board all our whole methodology. And it's kind of cool. But basically, we built our database um, called Nova behind the scenes day one to assume that we need to be able to stitch a lot of different devices together because it was built for uh, mobile phone apps originally. But I think in general, vendors are going to have to say, listen, if someone comes anonymously, we have to respect that. Once they authenticate, we have the ability to know that all of these different devices um, or all the that were anonymous, if we can figure out that it's the same person, we technically can group them together. Then you get into the whole should we and privacy laws and so on. And I don't think vendors are that different in this regard. Um, but I think how well you can stitch those things together, like some vendors charge extra money for that. Some vendors make you move to more of an advanced version of their product in order to do that kind of stitching. Uh, we give that away as part of our product. Like we just say that's inherent in our product. Um, I'm not an expert on how Google does it, but um, I do think that you're just ultimately taking anonymous signals, getting a login, reaching back, putting them together. Um, I think there's some things, and you and I have had a little discussion on this, I think there's some things that uh, like Google is doing that I'm not 100% of a fan of, uh, like Google Signals, where in many cases, like they kind of know who you are because you know 40 or 50% of the planet has like a Google account. And even though you never really told Google, like, I want you to, you know, use for this website who's using Google Analytics to know who I am because I happen to be logged into a Chrome browser or a Gmail account. I think that's a little bit on the sketchy side. Um, and I, I, there's some interesting things in the lawsuit against Google that came out recently that I was reading about that and some lawyers have picked up on that as well. Um, so I think Google's going to probably have to cut back on some of that. Um, but obviously, you understand why they want to do that because they want to mm. show how their advertising is being really effective. So um, I just think that, as, as you know, I mean, we're just going to end up in, in a first-party world. And I think organizations are going to have to figure out what is the value exchange to stop playing around with third-party cookies and just find out who's on your website or mobile app and what they're doing. And you're going to have to give something. There's going to be an incentive for them to do that. Once you know who they are, then you know, you're fine. You know, most privacy laws are totally cool with digital analytics vendors tracking you as long as you say that you're going to do what, you're, what you say you're going to do. Yeah. And, and CDPs and benchmarking audiences aside, when you remove the kind of marketing and advertising incentive, you can do without third-party cookies because you can you can enter the first-party world of the product itself, and that sounds like a very that sounds like a very healthy approach. I mean, there there are definitely um, shades of gray there as well, like this identity backstitching, which which might lead you to trouble in some areas where 
for example, constant isn't retroactive. So when you when you give constant, it doesn't mean that you constant for everything that you previously didn't constant for, for example. Yeah. So there's a yeah. lot of, and we know there's a lot of gray areas there, but I think anything is better than, than uh, we can say categorically that anything is better than third-party cookies for sure. Yeah, and actually, ironically, um, I was just talking to someone about this the other day. I think that this whole crackdown on third-party cookies is exposing how lazy marketers have been over the last couple of years, just trying to like, by people. And I actually think that it's forcing them to focus on their customers more. And so I think it, in the long run, I think it's actually a positive. It just is a painful positive for those of us who've been, you know, third-party cookies have been like crack mm. for the last 15 years that we just got addicted to in terms of advertising and so on. And super ineffective crack. Yeah, it a, lot of, do a lot of work. ad fraud. Exactly. It's not Imagine you're paying buzz. all this money for uh, for crack and 70% of it is like <laughs> sugar. It's not even, it's not even real crack. No. Come on. <laughs> no kidding. That's right. You know too much about crack. It's making me a bit uncomfortable here, but that's okay. Um, uh, one of the things about identity is that, uh, especially Google with their huge um, data stores and their huge capacity of, of data data mining, is this idea of modeling. So if if you don't have enough actual signals, if you don't have a, a authenticated user in all the hits, if you don't have a cookie ID in all the hits, then you're going to apply machine learning models on the data and try to figure out who that user is. Do you think this is something that would be also be done in product analytics or is it a moot point because you, well, typically the user logs into the product, so it doesn't maybe even have to do that? Yeah, that's one of the nice things um, that I've enjoyed about joining Amplitude is we focus so little on acquisition and more on, I'd say the majority of the data we collect is first party data because, you know, I don't know why this is, but on mobile apps, most people are authenticated. I think it's mainly because everyone feels like their phone is secure. But even and maybe their desktop isn't. It's weird because my desktop is never leaving my office. So I don't know why they make me log in using one password every time. But I think that first of all, I think you know, for password keepers is a good stock investment for everyone out there because I think with first party, everyone's going to have millions of passwords out there. But I think that uh, we've just lived in a first party world, and I think what's ironic is me coming to Amplitude and saying we need to do more for marketers is like. Now I have to educate them on all of this crazy stuff. And they're like, oh, that's a mess. Why would anyone want to deal with third-party cookies and all that stuff? And you know, it's funny because we actually are looking at how much do we want to invest in the acquisition side of analytics. And it's kind of like, try making a business case to, to invest in acquisition when the whole world is saying that acquisition is dying and going away. So again, a lot of those things you're talking about, I think that the modeling it's really just glorified sampling with machine learning added. And I've never been a fan of sampling. Um, I just think that it's basically advertising vendors saying, we can't 100% tell you that we're giving you the people we say we're giving you, but we have this really cool model in a black box that we're not going to tell you what's in the black box, but just trust us. You know, Don't worry about it. You want to keep giving us money and we're sending you really good qualified people and, and they're getting they're getting your ads. Trust us. And I think if we've learned anything about big tech is you know, we may not always want to give them the benefit of the doubt. 
So we're, we're about to wrap up. Um, and before we do, first of all, this has been a very illuminating discussion. And I think that we might need to pick things up again in the future with CDPs, because that was mentioned more than once in this talk. Um, but before I let you go, I want, I want to invite you to a thought experiment with me. And now, um, as, a, as a representative of Amplitude, now I give you the ultimate product engineering hat and, and I give you godlike powers just for, for the duration of, this, of the rest of this podcast, of course. And you can change any aspect of Amplitude Analytics any part that's grinding your gears at the moment. And you don't have to worry about backlogs or release pipelines or what's actually realistically doable. You don't have to worry about the technology, but you can just change it at the snap of your fingers. What would you change and why would you do it? Yeah, this is a tough question. Um, and I think what I have is, is, first of all, probably not amplitude specific. And I don't know if it's so much as a change, but more of an improvement. Um, I think that all analytics tools, amplitude included, um, the hardest part is learning the tool and learning how to actually build the stuff you need, whether it's a segment or a cohort or building a report. And one of the things that I would do if I could wave a magic wand is have the ability to literally ask a question with my voice and have the report <laughs> automatically provided for me. And I think one of the biggest problems I've seen with digital analytics is adoption. And it's just a steep learning curve with understanding what is an event, what's an attribute, what's a property, how do I add this, and I've got to do this event where this equals this. I mean, it's just, you know, it's doable, but it's hard. And I think if if we could fast forward 10 years and anything was possible, I would love to be able to say, how many people went to my website, put more than $200 in the cart, didn't purchase, and I want to take those people and do a campaign to them and send it to my campaign vendor like Braze, go. Like that would be to me the best revolution of analytics. Um, and it's funny because uh, Jason Thompson many years ago did this kind of cool thing where he actually like took Adobe Analytics and somehow did it where he did it with Alexa. And then he basically made it so that it would like run a query through an API and you would at least come back with a number. It was just like 52, uh, which was a good start. But I think if, if machine learning or anything could be done, and I think one of the things I've appreciated is um, I've actually gotten to look at some of the future visions at Amplitude. And we already have a lot of cases where we're using machine learning. So when you ask a question in Amplitude, it actually does a lot of the analysis for you. Um, but I think taking that to the really nth degree of just being able to freeform talk and have your have the analytics tool give you the answers, like to me, that is the one feature I would want. <laughs> It feels like we might not be that far off. I mean, I mean, all the components exist. I mean, we, we have the capacity to build that kind of dis communicative systems and we have the capacity. I think it's just a, well, just in very, very loose quotes, but I think it's it's a question of understanding, as always, understanding what the underlying business need is. Like how, how do you formulate a, a, a business question correctly? So it becomes back, kind of goes back to the person asking the question do they understand the capabilities and limitations of the data? But that's, I, I agree, that would be a very cool future. That would be a very cool front end, regardless of what analytics system is, is running behind, to just to have the kind of an interface. Yep. I think we're all struggling with, with this idea of power users and then newbies, and we have to find a balance between the two when developing our products. Exactly. 
Adam, this has been an absolutely fascinating talk, and it's it's um, like personally, it's very humbling to have a person of your uh, experience and caliber on this on this podcast. It's like I said, it's uh, very cool to have someone who's seen both sides of the table when we talk about product and marketing analytics, and also when we talk about those huge global vendors and then then smaller fair like Amplitude. And Amplitude isn't that small. I mean, you just had a had a public offering, and and you're in the big 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 leagues now as well. So. I'm I'm very much hoping you have all the success in the future that you deserve. Yeah, well, you know, it's funny. Early in my career, um, I heard about a little vendor that no one ever heard of called Omniture. <laughs> and I took a chance and went to work for them and that worked out okay. So I'm um, hoping I'll go two for two. <laughs> that sounds good. That sounds like, a, a, it seems like it's going really well. I'm very happy for you. And it seems like it was a very good career choice for you. And you've been doing excellent outreach for Amplitude, but also for the general product analytics communities. So thank you again so much for for being a guest star on this podcast and i hope to talk to you soon again yeah well thank you simo um it's been such a pleasure getting to know you i've learned so much from you um your podcasts have been great especially for folks who are not super super technical like me um i've learned so much uh, i spent a half hour learning what happens when you click and you put something in the url and all of that so i've loved all of your podcasts so thanks so much for having me it's it's an honor thanks have a great day too.